1850, there were roughly 2.6 million working farmers in the U.S., representing 51% of the American workforce. Today, only 1% of the U.S. population is employed within the agricultural industry. Now, if we were to present this data to someone who did not understand the U.S. history or our economy, one might think we are experiencing a food shortage from the lack of agricultural production. In truth, however, as a result of technological advances, America did not lose jobs but actually challenged the U.S. workforce to shift job duties. Today, white-collar workers make up more than 62% of the U.S. workforce as opposed to just 10% in 1850. Context when using data is extremely valuable when storytelling. Today, the insurance industry is experiencing a hardening market. Admittedly, this industry shift can make it challenging to attract new business, retain accounts with steep price increases, and test the agent-underwriter relationship as agents present their client's case to the carrier community while carriers rely more and more on big data and industry projections. So much like the 50,000-foot view of the agricultural industry over time, without additional context, the outlook of the industry for the foreseeable future may look grim. And on the tail end of a turbulent year like 2020, it could look even more challenging. With that in mind, however, some data analysts say the outlook may not be so bad. Today, my guest is Dave Paul, principal of Alert Insurance Research. Together, we explore the trends that drove the industry to where it is today, the impact from year-defining moments throughout 2020, and project what's to come in 2021. This is a data-packed episode that will provide you with insights that you can take back to clients and prospects to demonstrate you are better educated on the industry and what's to come. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dave. Welcome to the Beyond Insurance Podcast, a show dedicated to helping insurance industry professionals capture unrealized potential. That is what you are capable of becoming. Each episode, your host, Matt O'Neill, will bring you the leaders of this risk revolution. Thanks for joining us today. Now, let the show begin. Dave, thank you so much for joining me on the Beyond Insurance Podcast. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me and... Uh been a while since I spoke to the group, so uh, glad to do so again. Yeah, and Dave, we're actually, we're super excited about this. It's a new year. I think a lot of people are ready to turn over that new leaf, and that's exactly what today's program is going to be about. It's going to be about how we got to where we are today and where we can see the industry going in the future and how can we best prepare. But before I dive into asking you to be a uh, fortune teller and tell us where we're going, People who don't know who Dave Paul is or who Alert Insurance Research is, can you give us a two-minute overview of your background and your organization? Yeah, sure. So Alert Research uh, specializes in analyzing the financial strength of insurance companies. Uh, in essence, we act as an outsourced uh, due diligence team, and a hired gun, if you will, for uh, insurance distributors. So kind of more precisely, you might uh, think of us as a private rating agency in, a, in an insurance uh, research outfit. Uh, outside of our core distributor clientele, we, we do work with insurers themselves, asset managers, premium finance companies, lenders, uh, insurance buyers, including risk managers. So we, we do have a, quite a broad range of clients. Uh, my two partners and I who founded the company have been in business uh, or have been doing this type of work for 30 years, 20 years as alert. Uh, and you know we office together with our uh, analytical team out of um, out of Hartford. 
Connecticut. So specifically, um, you know, Alert analyzes uh, insurance companies across three models. We have a life model, a property casualty, and a medical healthcare model. We also look at uh, offshore carriers out of the Bermuda and London markets. Um, so I call ourselves a rating agency. What really honestly differentiates Alert from the large public rating agencies is uh, the application of what, um, what we call the Alert way, which you can see on our website. And really it's an analytical philosophy based on three, three uh, principles. Um, one, we take a bottom-up approach to our analysis. Um, mm -hmm. that, so by that, I mean, we focus on the, our analytical intention, primarily on the insurer whose name's on the declarations page of the uh, insurance policy in, in which as your agents will know uh, is the end insured that, that, that um, their clients have exposure to. Mm -hmm. um, this is opposed to rating agencies, which take, which tend to take a top-down approach to um, analyzing companies. So we have a different perspective in that regard. Secondly, our work uh, is ongoing, which means we feel it's important that we refresh our analyses on a quarterly basis. Um, so we're doing stuff kind of in real time for folks so they can get a real sense for uh, how their companies are performing over time. And thirdly, um, our analytics are uh, comparative and measurables, we have an um, alert scoring system versus ratings, if you will. So that's kind of what differentiates us uh, in the market, if you will. I love it. And that is exactly why we would we asked for you to join us today on these market predictions and market history uh, you know, course, so to speak. So before we get into where we're headed in 2021, it would be great if you could take us back over the past decade or so in the property casualty market how did we get to where we are today? That's a good question. So um, outside of our, what, what I'll call our micro analysis of thousands of insurance companies every quarter, we also publish um, quarterly macro reviews of our, uh, of our sectors, the PC life and health sectors. And this provides our clients with kind of a big picture uh, to frame kind of to understand the individual company performances uh, that we also uh, provide obviously. Mm -hmm. So as regards kind of the macro financial performance over the last decade, um, I'll concentrate kind of on three specific areas that we, we focus on when we give these types of talks. And that would be the industry uh, capitalization, um, premium growth, and then of course the underwriting and, oper uh, under, underwriting and operating profitability of the industry. So starting with surplus, um, you know, just to give in surplus, of course, is a difference between assets and liabilities. It's the equivalent of, of capital um, that's sometimes called capital when you're, when you're you know, studying finance mm -hmm. in college, if you will. Uh, it's the cushion that allows these companies to essentially um, be able to make up for any uh, problems they have, whether it's on the asset or liability side of the uh, balance sheet. So it's very important uh, as credit analysts to, to co constantly monitor surplus. So over the last decade that you asked about, uh, the industry surplus, and when I say industry, I'm talking about the US-based property casualty industry. Mm -hmm. Surplus has grown from 550 billion at year end 2010 to uh, 870 billion or around there as of nine months of last year, the, the, the latest information we have. So that's about a 60% gain over the last wow. decade. That's really good, right? Mm -hmm. We like that. <laughs> uh, in comparison, we always compare this to net premium growth. Net premiums have grown about the same percentage from 425 billion to around 660 billion. Um, and by comparing those two metrics, we come up with an important metric, which we call the net premium leverage or the ratio of net premiums to surplus. 
Um, and, and this is important because that really is an expression of the capacity of the industry to write business. And mm -hmm. we, we can uh, talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about that later if you want. Uh, but the end result is uh, in terms of its capitalization, the industry is really extremely well capitalized. Con uh, surplus continues to grow every year, um, which again, kind of makes the current pricing cycle a bit of an anomaly, right? And uh, mm -hmm. I know that uh, we'll probably touch on that later. Uh, turning to premium growth, uh, the second item, uh, as mentioned, you know, we've, we've seen good growth over the past uh, decade. It's kept pace uh, in terms of its percentage growth with what we've seen uh, uh, out of capital or surplus. Um, but the fact is because the industry is so well capitalized, um, you know, the industry really can write more business on that surplus base. So without compromising, you know, the financial viability of the industry. So this is very important. So mm -hmm. traditionally, just to give a sense, rating agencies and regulators have allowed insurers as a general rule, kind of looking across the whole industry, to write premiums of up to two to three times our surplus base. Well, if you do the math quickly, currently the, the broad USPC industry is really writing at, at under one times its surplus, around 0.8 uh, times its surplus. Or put another way, uh, there's less, there's a, there's more than one dollar for every uh, of surplus for every dollar of premium written. This means there's a lot of capacity in the U.S. market, right? Mm -hmm. But we always like to point out, just because um, the industry can write more business doesn't mean that it will, right? And this is partially because you know the business supply simply doesn't exist. There's just a lot more capital in the industry than there is business to write against it. So obviously, if we could open new lines of business, uh, certainly if the economy would come back. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be great because that would uh, bump up exposure units, uh, et cetera. Um, so, so we're really looking, uh, we're really trying to express that, that there is room for more growth if insurers want to take it. But insurers, of course, aren't going to take business where they don't think they're going to meet their profitability hurdles. And this is what we're seeing in the industry right now. They're simply walking away from business, you know, if they, if they feel that they can't get the right price. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's going to be something, obviously, uh, you know, that, that the, uh, the agency community is going to continue to have to kind of fight against, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, um, the, the industry, again, is well capitalized and has a balance sheet to write a lot more business should it want to. Mm -hmm. Now, so, lastly. So uh, before you go in, so I want to summarize just to make sure that we're that I'm, I'm listening to you correctly. So um, number one was that there's a lot of uh, capital in the industry that can be moved around to help support any, you know, the whole industry in and of itself. And then number two is there's a lot of capacity for agents and brokers to write more business, but the challenge is that the business just isn't there. So it's almost like having a really large bucket that's half full. Is that correct? correct? That's a great, Matt, that's a great way to put it. Uh, the, 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 the surplus bucket is very big and it's about mm -hmm. maybe, uh, I don't know, three, three quarters full of what it, it probably could be. Mm -hmm. uh, in, or, or even half full, if you will. Um, but again, you know, there's constraints around, um, you know, is the business there to write? And if the business is there to write, do the insurers want to write it right now? But it's, it's so interesting that you say that because when I speak with agents, uh, you know, daily, one of the number one issues that agents have today, I feel is prospecting, not able to fill their pipeline with enough accounts. Um, and it, my perception was that it was just because it's the hardening market, it, you know, especially, I mean, COVID, it puts a whole nother realm on whether insureds actually even want to move because of un risk and uncertainty. Um, but what you're saying is that there is capacity for people to write the business, but the business just doesn't even exist in the first place. So, you know, as you said, so a boom, you know, 
uh, improving our economy, getting more of those businesses out there, allowing small businesses to grow to larger businesses, getting no businesses to turn into businesses is really the magic to helping ease some of these tensions when it comes to prospecting as well. Is that, am I kind of giving a good projection in this chain? Maybe I'm just hypothesizing a little bit. No, you're absolutely right. I guess, again, at the end of the day, if more business, if there's more exposure units out there to write, there's capital right now in the industry to write it. If it's at the right, if it's at the right price, right? Because these insurers are not going to write business and lose money. Yep. No, that that makes sense. All right. So jump in. You said you have a third. There's a third. So the third, obviously, maybe most important or very important is obviously the underwriting performance of the industry, what we just talked about. So Mm -hmm. on a broad basis, and this is very interesting, looking at the whole U.S. property casualty market, which we do quarter after quarter, the industry has generated an underwriting gain in nine of the past 17 years, okay? Mm-hmm. Including in through nine months of 2020, we don't have the full year stuff yet, which is really astounding considering what we went through last year. So yeah. this is especially interesting because if you, from 2004, if you go back 30 years, the industry did not make one year of underwriting gain, right? So, uh, and the reason for that quite honestly, and we'll talk about this in a second is, the, the uh, investment environment in terms of net investment income um, really for the last decade that, that you've asked me about has been historically low. So basically the insurers have not been able to, to, um, to write, underwrite at a loss, but make up for that income through investments, right? So mm-hmm. investments are down. So that's kind of why we're seeing uh, this discipline in the industry, which I'm sure your, your folks have, have read about. Um, so, but as concerns to operating earnings, which is, again, the sum of the underwriting results plus the investment income, uh, they've really been decent at about a 10% return on earned premium over the last decade. Mm-hmm. So really, you'd have to go all the way back 20 years to 2001 to see the last period where the industry had actually had an operating loss. So to sum up, I would say the industry is well capitalized, which we talked mm-hmm. about, uh, and it continues to make decent underwriting and operating uh, gains, right? Mm-hmm. And so all this taken together creates kind of a strange environment, right? This is uh, an industry historically, uh, it's historically strong on kind of all the fronts I've talked about, but rates are still firming and rising, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why this cycle has been called kind of an underwriting driven hard market, which if you want, we can kind of talk about later. Mm-hmm. Those are the three, those are the kind of the three basic areas I think that people, if they, they focus on, they get a good sense of what's going on with the industry. Very, very interesting. And so um, when you're talking about like an underwriter driven one, if I had to guess how we're pulling this together based off of what you said, and let me know if, if, my, um, if my thought process is correct, because the underwriters have not made their, um, have not made enough investments and they have been um, very flexible with their pricing, they now need to make all that money up. So they're essentially catching up. Is that to, be, to make sure that they are also profitable? Is that sort of my understanding of where this is going? Um, so yes, they're, uh, it's, I don't know that I'm nece- I want to necessarily say they're catching up, but yep. basically, uh, and we could talk about this a little bit later, but through our analysis, you know, the industry is losing on average over the last, let's say five, six years, about three points on their operating ratio, which is an expression of, of the ultimate operating profit. Mm-hmm. And that, that equates to about $20 billion of, of monies wow. that would traditionally be investment income monies that mm-hmm. is just not there anymore compared mm-hmm. to average. So that money has to be made up somewhere. 
and, and the insurer managements are aware of it. And they obviously now have to look to underwriting to make up for that. They can't run the losses and hope to make up that 20 yep. uh, you know, billion dollars, if you will. Got it. Okay. So um, thank you for the, the historical perspective. I think sure. that's really a good baseline to begin discussing 2021. Um, at the time of this recording, I think we're like 10 days into the new year. Um, for some, they thought, hey, this COVID's going to be done by 2021. It's obviously not. Um, we're still trying to navigate uh, the best practices with coming out of this pandemic effectively, both personally and professionally. Uh, on top of that, we all are aware that there is a hardening market as well. Um, but I think we all really want a reset. So with that in mind, there's a lot of things that came uh, came onto all of our radars in 2020, like catastrophic losses, um, difficulties in some casualty lines because of social inflation. Obviously, the one that everyone has been talking about for the past 11 months, COVID, and the low uh, interest rate environment. So how is that going to impact our industry going forward? Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you've, you've, uh, you've correctly hit on the big four there. Um, you know, obviously larger than average weather-related losses uh, in 2020, but quite honestly, over three of the, four, three of the last four years mm -hmm. uh, on the charts that we keep, the rise of social inflation, certainly COVID losses in, in the interest rate environment. So let's, um, we'll take them in order. You know, as concerned cat losses, you know, there's really no way to predict, you know, looking into 2021, what's going to happen to the weather in any one year. Um, you know, it's really not that long ago, if you look back to like 2013 to, through 2016, that we really had a period of, of below, a nice stretch of below average cat losses. So, uh, you know, it cuts both ways. But that said, you know, there's a lot of analysts pointing out that a growing trend of larger weather related losses, you know, whether that's due to purported climate change or to, uh, the growth of exposure units in coastal and other cat impacted areas such as California, uh, parts of the Midwest potentially. Um, so, you know, these types of concerns about changes in weather patterns have certainly led to sharp increases in, I won't say in all property rates, mm -hmm. uh, rates but certainly in some um, areas on both the primary and reinsure, reinsured basis. And the reinsurance is important obviously because reinsurance pricing drives primary pricing. Um, but you know, as, as the insurers and reinsurers really start to question the accuracy of their models, especially given you know, the large hurricane losses, a large convective storm and wildfire losses, et cetera, over the last five years or so, I think their reflex is really to, to just ask for more money, right? To cover mm -hmm. the, the known unknown. So in short, you know, we saw at the 1-1 renewals for reinsurance that they were orderly, they were less costly to the primary insurers than, than it initially been thought. But, you know, um, certainly the reinsurers are keeping a very close eye because they're the ones who took some of the real big heavy losses over the last four years in the, in the big cat years. So that's, that's uh, it's hard to predict, but my guess is that property rates are just gonna be taken because, you know, we just, they don't know and they wanna, and I think in, in, in a way to what you said before, they are trying to backfill for some of these losses, mm -hmm. right? That they took um, in the last several years. So, you know, social inflation, I would say the second point is much less of a wild card. It exists, it's clearly documented. You can look at the number of lawsuits being filed. You can look at the average size of settlements uh, in, in, the, in the casualty lines that this is impacting. So that would be frequency and severity is up. Um, and, and so, 
given this, you know, we've certainly received, we've seen a retrenchment uh, looking at the individual companies and the lines of business uh, by a number of insurers really who have experienced sizable losses. And we've seen the growth of this business going to the surplus lines market, which we tend to see when the admitted markets get involved with lines of business that they end up kind of getting killed on, right? Mm -hmm. So we expect this trend certainly is going to continue. Uh, we're going to see higher rates in, for the impacted um, lines. Uh, generally, it's it's your, um, it will be your, your excess and general liability exposure, some of the professional liability lines, et cetera, that are uh, essentially exposed to social inflation trends. And we're just gonna watch to see how that develops. Um, you know, turning to COVID, the third point, you know, COVID, they've really, the losses have not been as large as originally uh, suspected, both globally and in the US. Wow. Um, and, you know, one of the fears obviously up front was that, you know, we're going to have these massive business interruption lawsuits. I mean, the U.S. has been able to do a good job in the U.S. kind of, um, you know, in the courts defending themselves against these. So they really have not come through. You know, the global insurers, and so this is globally now, yep. that have reported $30 billion of insured losses. I'm just kind of taking a look at this. Um so, you know, it's, it's 30 billion is a big number, but again, it's not all in the US, that's globally. But the ultimate estimates are all over the place. The, the ultimate estimates are anywhere from 30 billion to 100 billion. Lloyd's is still sticking by, there's gonna be 100, 100 billion of, of insured losses. To me as an analyst, honestly, it's hard to see how we get to that, to that latter number at this point. Yep. Um, and, and quite honestly, if those losses come through or whatever losses continue to come through, I think they're really gonna hit the international reinsurance community more than kind of the insurers that, that your, uh, your agents kind of play with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's gonna be knock, there's gonna be knock on impacts, I'm sure to, on workers comp losses and, and certainly rates potentially going forward reflecting, you know, some of the states have these rebuttable presumptions in place. Um, and, you know, there'll be losses, additional losses tied to things like uh, event cancellation, et cetera. But, but all in all, I think that, um, that, you know, we are in a good spot in terms of what we're seeing for COVID losses now. That we, we track every quarter the, the reported losses uh, from insurance community. And, and since the second quarter, they've really, every quarter, they've slowed down. So we expect that that may continue to be the trend. So we're not super concerned about COVID uh, at this point um, as, as analysts of the US uh, PC industry. I mean, some more will come through in 2021, but it shouldn't really move the dial too much in our view as of now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the last factor quickly, interest rates, you know, I, I said before, they've been historically low over the last decade. They've uh, definitely contributed to, contributed to the underwriting discipline, kind of putting a floor under rates. And so, um, you know, so what are we seeing? You know, interest rates have moved higher, as you know, over the last, you know, really only uh, almost a month. In anticipation of the, the new Biden administration, you're going to get much more aggressive fiscal programs. You're going to get a hope for a rebound in economic activity with, um, you know, as, as the pandemic uh, either greatly moderates or hopefully ends by a certain point. And higher interest rates, really, all things equal, should, uh, should follow if the economy picks up. And that should hope hopefully help to blunt the demand for additional uh, premium rate increases. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm listening to you, one of the things that um, I was, I was recently on a webinar with Beyond Insurance CEO, Scott Addis, and he was talking about what he did during his time at the Addis Group during the last hard market to 
weather the storm with his clients because um, while many agents, if they're paying attention to the industry, probably have a lot of education or or at least aware of what's happening in terms of rate increases. Sometimes that you know the the average consumer is not they're not spending their time understanding the insurance industry. So one thing that they did, and this is, I'm going to tee you up for this next question here, um, is send a note to all of their clients at the Addis Group at the time and give them a full picture of exactly what's going on. And what I love about what you've told us so far in terms of where it is, where the industry has been, that can go into, if you're to craft you know, if you're an agent listening today or an agency leader, if you're to craft a letter or a message that is going to your consumers to prepare them for this hardening market, you can not only now give them uh, insights into where the industry has been and how we've gotten to where we are today, but also reassure um, a lot of your consumers on some of the things that may have raised concern for them, right? Like cat losses or COVID or social inflation and how that's going to be impacting the industry moving forward. So the final piece to crafting this story or this communication to um, your insureds would be rate scenarios. So are you able to give the listeners here today some different rate scenarios for personal and commercial lines uh, for the insurers and expand on where these rates may be heading for 2021? Because I think if between history last year, and now you're going to be able to give us some insights into perhaps what we can expect in 2021. This is a picture perfect um, message that should be packaged and sent to, to any client to prepare them. So, yeah, no, it's uh, so listen, I mean, you know, obviously we talked about some of the broader factors that are impacting the whole industry. When you break out personal lines and commercial lines, the rating cycle for, for personal lines has always been much less pronounced than mm -hmm. commercial lines upfront clear. Why? Because honestly, the underlying underwriting results for homeowners and personal auto business, which are two of the largest lines in the US PC industry, they're generally very, very predictable, right? Than those honestly for certain uh, commercial lines of business. So right away, we're not gonna see, and traditionally have not seen any real wide swing in the rate scenario for personal lines business. So that's very important. If I were to guess, and again, these are guesses, but based on what we look at in terms of, uh, and we look at a bunch of the different, uh, the, the, the brokerage uh, and different to kind of rate surveys that come into us, I guess that personal auto rates will stay fairly flat. Um, and this is, this is especially given some of the large, obviously COVID related gains in the line in 2020, right? People not driving, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that, that, that there were give backs, but even with that, um, you know, I think that the, there, there's really no reason for rates to be moving up there. Homeowner rates, I think, will also hold fairly steady um, with a caveat outside of areas impacted by a surge in cat losses over the last several years. So if you think Florida, Florida is a very difficult market. It's a really dysfunctional market. We follow all the carriers there, and it's, it's a constant struggle there, right? Other southeastern coastal communities, we saw you know, Alabama get hit, you see Louisiana get hit, you know, all those types of areas, fire exposed communities in California, we have to accept those, right? Yep. But generally overall, that's what we see will likely happen in the two broad personal, uh, personal lines. You know, commercial lines is a little bit of a different story. It's a story of, of, of different markets, if you will. I think that workers comp, which is obviously one of the, the second largest line in the commercial side, will continue to be flat or even slightly down. This is now a multi-year trend. Um, it, turning to commercial property risks, 
Again, this is where we're starting to see the real higher pricing come in. And again, this comes from broad market surveys. It's not going to be everywhere in the U.S., but um, you know we are seeing higher pricing there, and, and sometimes shockingly higher prices depending on on where the risk is and what their experience has been. Uh, the impact on liability lines is also going to be really determined by the sector, and it's going to be industry specific. My guess is that the general and excess liability lines um, will will remain open to further increases. Um, and certainly some of the professional lines, uh, liability lines, DNO in particular has been very hit very hard and we're seeing some uh, real extreme moves in cases uh, from the broker surveys. Um, I'd say the last two lines, which are, are quite large commercial side, they'd be commercial auto, medical, med-mal, both remain very problematic from our perspective as, as analysts. And I would be very surprised if, um, if uh, you know, really aggressive rate actions moderated from here. I think you're gonna see uh, some more rate coming through, certainly in those two lines of business as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And again, you're giving us so much data and knowledge is power. Of course, we know that. And so every agent should have an understanding or be excited about learning more about this industry and all the factors that play into what makes this industry so great and where it's going tomorrow. With that in mind, how can agents gain a competitive advantage by becoming more familiar with the financial basics of our industry. Do you have any suggestions for someone listening today? You know, I do. Uh, they're a little biased, but I think <laughs> the best way to answer this, quite honestly, is really just to give examples of the types of calls we get here at Alert from, from folks like yours in the agent community. Mm -hmm. Here's a recent example. I got a call last week from the head of sales from a really relatively small uh, agency. He had heard me give a presentation like this on the state of the industry, and, and really he had four concerns. And, you know, uh, you know, thinking about this. So, you know, he basically says, hey, he genuinely, genuinely cares about his insured clients. He wants to make sure that when they're out negotiating on their behalf, they're getting the best price possible. Um, so, but he, in this environment, especially, and you mentioned this before, Matt, you know, he has a sense and insurers are to agree just throwing out numbers, right? And not looking specific or not underwriting specific to each individual case. So he tries to keep up on the state of the insurance industry. And what he's found is that, you know, looking at the trade magazines, the kind of the blurbs he gets from these articles, they're really just not sufficient. So, and he's also, he said he's looking at the, you know, the big broker, um, you know, uh, year end releases on what the market's doing, but he, he worries that their observations are really for a higher end market than, than, he's, uh, than he's working. And so he's basically saying, hey, I'm just looking for a good ongoing industry analytics, kind of like what we're, what we're talking about today that are digestible to your point that can be kind of uh, put in front of clients to make him a better advocate for his clients overall. Again, to make them understand uh, the context of the environment, okay? Um, secondly, what he said is he said, hey, 85% of my business is with, you know, what we call kind of the big six or the big seven large national insurance groups, the Chubbs, the CNAs, right? The Hartford's, Liberties, Travelers, Zurich, et cetera. And you know maybe a handful of regional. So this is very typical of what we see with our, our smaller and middle market uh, agencies. But then you have this 15% niche of carriers that that he worries about. You know whether it's due to that they're lower rated or that there is some in a niche focus in certain more problematic kind of specialty lines of business. So he really wants to get his arms around that kind of 15% that he just doesn't know about and is uncomfortable about, et cetera. Um, 
Thirdly, he says his other concern is he's out competing against insurers that are that seemingly are out just buying the business. He might not kind of know who they are. They're smaller insurers. How can he demonstrate to his clients that, you know, that these insurers, they may be 20, 30% cheaper, but they may be facing substantial financial stress that, that doesn't really come through just an AM best rating alone. And he wants to steer them away from a potential uh, kind of penny wise pound foolish decision. And by the way, uh, maybe keep his, uh, you know, BOR, right? So yep. he, but, you know, and maybe his last consideration is just, we see this more with our larger uh, broker clients, honestly, but just this desire to professionalize the oversight of all their insurance carriers. So to do more than just spreadsheet ratings, uh, you know, to understand uh, companies that are getting into financial trouble before they kind of hit the skids and they're downgraded because this can cost them, you know, lawsuits and they just want to kind of stay away from that. So, you know, those are four ideas or, or kind of things that are in the minds of an actual uh, agency guy who just called me and we get those types of questions all the time. Mm -hmm. And a follow-up question to that, how can an agent use this type of data to better serve their clients? So I like, for example, I, I suggested a client letter taking these types of insights, pulling it together and proactively alerting their insured of what's to come in 2021. But what other suggestions might you have? How can an agent listening today take everything that you're you're talking about, perhaps do additional research using you know services like yours to better help the people that they're trying to serve? I think you've hit on it already. Listen, it, it's we know it's precisely in a hard market, right? That agents are gonna be faced with difficult discussions, mm -hmm. right? Their clients are facing substantial price increases, um, you know, those are hard discussions. And, and some of your agents probably have never been in an, an environment where they've had to face those types of discussions. So I think, as you said, if you're able to put some historical perspective around the pricing cycle, kind of, hey, you remember all those times when your annual renewal was flapped down? Well, you know, un to understand the dynamics that impact the entire industry, the things we talked about, cat losses, social inflation, COVID, you know, reinsurance pricing, interest rates, the ability, kind of the ability to talk in broad strokes about the industry. I think it does two things. It gives your client, importantly, a sense that he or she is not being singled out, right? Mm -hmm. That this is an industry-wide phenomenon, calms them down that re regard. I think as important, you know, your knowledge around the topic will differentiate you from 99% of your peers. Because honestly, what we see is people going in saying, oh, if the rate and best rating is XYZ. And that's the end of the discussion about carrier or industry or whatever. So I think having some of this in this background, it shows your, it shows a client that you're a student of the industry, that you're professionally informed, risk advisor, you're not just another quote unquote insurance salesman. And you know, I think that that would help to sustain these relationships. I think it would certainly give you an edge in a prospecting situation. So that's uh, certainly one thing. You know, the other thing, again, talking about a hard market that we're in, there, there's a tendency for more business to be shopped. Mm -hmm. and that's just, you guys know it even better than I do. When those prices come in, you know, the, the uh, insured saying, hey, uh, you know, you got to do better. Or, you know, we've got to look around. So, um, you know, I think that you're probably better able to defend your existing business via either well thought out alternatives or, or, um, or you know, to be able to better compete for the new business. Um, you know, if you, if you know the financial dynamics of the insurers that, that you have uh, kind of in your hip pocket and those that you may be competing against and you know what's going on in the market, 
there's just, you're going to have a lot, I imagine you're going to have a lot more at-bats or certainly, um, you know, you're going to be having these types of discussions a lot more than maybe in a, in a non-hard market environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that you say that, Dave. Um, I, I mean, you know that Beyond Insurance, the whole foundation of what Scott did to build his agency, what we do every day with agents and brokers is help them understand that we can take price off the table by educating the customer on things that they didn't know. And I think up uh, up until very recently, that type of knowledge came through with products, services, risk management recommendations, expertise, either through risk vertical or in industry expertise. But this is a whole new opportunity is to position yourself as an expert on the hardening market, why we got here, where we plan on going, so that when these accounts, like you said, are going to be shops because they feel like they're going to be able to get a more competitive opportunity, you're not only going to be able to provide them that competitive opportunity, but you're going to be able to provide education as well. And that's what we're finding most consumers are um, appreciating with the new, with these new you know, risk consultants. Um, I'd like to wrap this session up. You've given us a ton of insights, a ton of details, a ton of data. Um, but someone listening today, if there is one thing that they can start doing tomorrow to begin to take action on everything that you shared today, and it was extremely enlightening, what would be that one recommendation you have uh, that you can provide that professional that's listening? You know, we've touched on already. I'd say that the one thing is get educated on the basic financial underpinnings of your industry. It's your industry, of your industry, right? And by that, I mean both on a macro basis. So kind of the things we've talked about, the broad financial brush or broad financial health of the industry, as well as kind of understanding some basic information, um, what I'll call the micro basis. You know, how, do, how are your individual partners faring financially? So maybe at a minimum, uh, understand the uh, mechanics of a combined ratio. What does a combined ratio mean? Understand how industry surplus reflects the capacity to write business. What kind of factors drive the rating cycle? These things that we've talked about, especially as, as regards things like catastrophes and interest rates, right? I'm not saying that someone needs to be a seasoned credit analyst. Listen, I've done this for 30 years. I don't expect you to be me, nor do I expect myself to be an agent uh, you know, on the front lines. But I think that you can you can really start to learn the broad themes, how they impact the pricing environment um, and the price of insurance that you're placing in front of a client or prospect. So, uh, you know, I think this type of knowledge, especially in two, 2021, uh, you know, it's gonna make you a better advocate for, for both the end insured and your insurance partners by, you know, by allowing you to better separate what, what this gentleman on the call the other day said, said the bluster from what's really going on out there. And, you know, negotiating a price that's ultimately fair to both parties. And I think that's the best way to, uh, to kind of approach that, um, that theme. Awesome. Well, Dave, again, you've given us so much of your time, your research, your data, and a lot of really practical solutions that I think those that are listening today should definitely seriously consider. How can you take all of the knowledge that was just shared on today's program and use it to better educate your clients, prospects, and community on what's to come in this amazing industry. Um, So I want to thank you for your time today. Dave, if someone wants to learn more about you and your team, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, I mean, I know you guys well. They obviously can come through you and Scott to uh, to get to us. Obviously, we have a website, alertresearch.com. Uh, if someone's interested, I'm at david.paul, and those are both two first names, at alertresearch.com. Alert is spelled A-L-I-R-T, research. 
or if uh, someone wants to call, we're at 860-683-2070. So yeah, anyone who wants to chat, uh, even if just to, you know, we're always happy to talk to anyone. So uh, we always say as analysts, we get uh, as much out of these calls as you do, because you guys have some important frontline information that we're not always privy to. So, um, you know, look forward to hearing from anyone who, uh, who wants to reach out. Awesome. Well, again, David, thank you so much for joining me today. Matt, thank you for having me and, uh, and best of all, happy new year. You too. Have a great day. All right. You too. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining me on the Beyond Insurance podcast. I know I took a ton of information away from all of the data that you're willing to share. I thought one of the most insightful things was the three drivers impacting today's marketplace as a result of the last 10 years of industry performance. I really think you gave our listeners enough information that they could pull together some sort of informational packet and educate their customers and prospects on not only where the industry has been, but a state of the marketplace and where it is going to go in the next year. I found a ton of value. I hope you listeners did as well. If you did, I'd love for you to go onto your favorite podcasting platform and give us a rating. We really appreciate it. That's how we get this message out there and share this podcast with other listeners within the industry. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next podcast. Signing off, Matt O'Neill. Thanks for joining us on the Beyond Insurance podcast. Make sure to visit our website, beyondinsurance.com, where you can subscribe to this show using your favorite podcasting platform. While you're there, consider assessing your unrealized growth potential using one of our free self-assessments designed to help you maximize your performance. If you found this episode valuable, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next time. And remember, your success comes when you maximize your potential through process thinking and process improvement.